Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. Now, folks, for many of you, you'll be thinking, what the hell is a new Loose Units doing in my feed? Well, it's because there is so much going on in the world of true crime. Dad, you and I have been consumed by these stories, and our listeners have been begging us to talk about them more often. So today we're doing something a little different. We're talking about two cases which are unfolding right before the nation's eyes right now. Uh, Obviously, these are the cases of the missing person case of Samantha Murphy, uh, which is ongoing, and the murder murders carried out by Beaumont Lamar Condon uh, over in Sydney. Both of these cases are fairly squirrely, but I figured we should start with Samantha Murphy first. Last week, we were lamenting the fact that we didn't have enough lead time to talk about things as they were occurring. Could you walk us through where we're up to with this case right now for those of us who might not be following this in a minute-by-minute basis? Yes, well, as you've said, it's very unusual. Uh, In fact, I'm thinking in the course of almost well over five years, Paul, I don't Mm. think we've... We very rarely cut in to our regular scheduling. Yeah. Um, But this certainly warrants it on Mm. so many levels. It's it's making international news. Um, the first case that you and I were discussing, we, we we're always very aware that family members may be listening, and we we tre- we tread a fine line. Yeah. But at the at the end of the day, we are a true crime podcast, and we offered up our opinion as to we felt that uh, Samantha's um, has met with foul play, and one of the things that we both you and I found quite bizarre um and this is not only this is not sort of speaking with hindsight because Mm. we found it bizarre at the time yes was how they scaled down the searches dramatically yeah that was odd we weren't entirely so at the end of that episode you mentioned that the search had been scaled back and Mm. we also talked a fair bit about the fact that the police that are doing the investigating can't tell the public everything they can't explain their motives they can't talk us through and walk us through every step of an investigation because sometimes they have their reasons, but this looks like something has been found or some evidence has been found to imply that they probably need to step things up again, which is a really interesting move, I think. It is. It's interesting how these things fluctuate. When they had the public on side and raring to go uh, from the very beginning. Yeah. So one now can say, you know, was that a, a mistake? Um, now, the police to be fair, have to go through 12,000 hours of CCTV footage. And I was trying to imagine mm. the, the sort of the mathematical um, 
sort of calculation to figure out just how many man hours that is and it's extreme do you scrub that do you divvy it up amongst people i mean if you have a task force do you have 20 people in a room taking shifts or are you scrubbing through fast forward style are you using an ai algorithm to look for facial rec- facial recognition i mean mm. i d- i don't know how this actual procedure no, goes no, but um if you if you fast forwarding that's problematic because okay. you will miss things and then you've just got this sheer sort of thing about sitting in front of a screen, uh, becoming almost mesmerized yeah. by it and not quite knowing what you're looking for mm-hmm. because there could be things that sort of you see but don't recognize yeah. as being important. Um, so it's, it's fascinating. So, that, so what's happened is basically on Friday, the police have, have really ramped it up big time. They've now... Um, pinpointed uh, an area that she was in approximately one hour after she departed from her residence, 7 a.m. on that fateful Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the police are now saying on the balance of probabilities, it's more than likely that um, something terrible's happened. Now, they're also interestingly saying that it's not necessarily just one person. There may be others, uh, in other words, more than one involved. Mm-hmm. They tend to be, although this could be problematic, but at this stage they are saying that the family, in particular the husband, is not a person of interest. I don't know whether you can ever rule that out 100%, but I guess it's of some comfort. Right. So it's a fascinating story. Okay, so in summary, the police have said that they... They doubt that she's still alive. Mm. Um, And they're looking into one possibility which fascinates me, Dad, and that is that her body may have been moved from where she disappeared from. Wow. Which is a major development in this case. Now, obviously, they're investigating the possibility that one or more people were involved. Mm. Um, They have... Her mobile data has um, directed the search towards a specific area, which is apparently about six kilometers from where she was last seen. I'm reading here from The Age. Acting Superintendent Mark Hatt said they had ruled out Murphy being involved in a medical incident or leaving of her own accord, conceding it was doubtful she was still alive. Unfortunately, given the time and the fact that we found no trace, we do have severe concerns and are very doubtful she's still alive. And this is the bit I was referring to before, Dad. Hatt said police were probing the possibility her body had been moved from the area. That is certainly the scenario we're looking into. I mean, there's so much to investigate. And one thing that I mentioned was the the nature of the tow truck industry. Mm. Um, And I just mentioned that because that's good police work. And interestingly, when I was doing some research this week, I also uncovered the fact that one of the things they were looking into Mm -hmm. were the financials of their business. Right. Now, that's just just good policing Uh, because then you start to think about things like uh, life insurance policies. Yeah. So, look, and these stones would have all been uncovered. But interestingly, this weekend, it's... It's back, uh, you know, full speed ahead. An extraordinary um, large number of people now assisting. And uh, everyone's, they've got a slightly different area to look at now. So that's good. And let's hope we have some news. The family needs some closure closure and finality. Yeah. Now, Paul, as the listeners know, Christine and I, we live in an area of Sydney that was notorious particularly in the in you know the 70s and 80s the time basically in which your your book loose units are focused on 
mm-hmm. which is my time in the New South Wales Police Force. So we, we live very close to uh, sort of the epicentre of things that happen in Sydney and, of course, the eastern suburbs, which is um, generally, generally regarded as having the most affluent suburbs in Australia. There's, there is an underbelly. And I often talk about underbelly in so far as bad things happen in good suburbs. Yeah. And you can't make generalizations. And if I was to get a drone with a camera attached, launch it off our little balcony here, send it up, not a great height, um, just a couple of hundred feet. From there, we could see a street close by. Yep. It's as the crow flies, I would imagine it is definitely between 500 and 1,000 metres from our place Um, in a particular street that I know very well. I know it very well because I actually did a hanging job when Mm -hmm. I had my picture hanging business in a a residence, if not next door, very, very close to a story that has captivated. Um, It's certainly a big story. Um, It's being discussed on international news sites, including the BBC. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's just, it's a story that has got many, 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 many aspects. Some of the aspects are salacious. It depends on what media network it's sort of, because they all have different ways of looking at, at crime. I actually but don't think, I, look, I don't think there's anything salacious about this really. I think the actual, the strangeness of it is the job that the accused killer actually held at the time of the murder that for me that that's the i mean that's the angle you can fish all you want but the fact is it's 2024 i don't think any of the other angles are really that important i think it actually boils down to very like a very old story but it's just it's the details that are so strange to me Mm. so so strange yeah from what i've read dad the nobody's actually treating it like it's controversial or salacious i think actually the strange thing is that um, normally crimes happen with people who aren't uh, known to the public, whereas this mm. guy was out there with famous people just like putting his face out there for years. And Now, Dad, before we actually go into the specifics, how about we talk about who was killed and let's walk through the kind of rough timeline of what happened because this all kicked off on Sunday, February the 18th. So this is extraordinarily recent. I mean, this is... This is last weekend, Dad. Mm. This is happening. So it starts when the ill-fated couple uh, head out with friends to go to the Beresford Hotel for a a party, like Mm. a pre-Mardi Gras party. And the couple in question were an Australian TV uh, presenter called Jesse Baird and Luke Davies, his boyfriend. Now, Jesse Baird uh, used to work for Channel 10 until relatively recently. And I believe he was a AFL umpire, referee, Mm. right? Yep. Yeah. yeah, and his his partner yeah. Luke Davies was a flight attendant mm-hmm. who worked for Qantas. Yep, on their international legs, and they are in a relationship. They've moved into Jesse's house, which is the house very close to where we live. Yep, in Paddington, mm-hmm. and between the hours of twelve o one a.m which is a very very interesting time, mm-hmm. and five thirty p.m. on Monday last. Oh, 5.30 a.m. 5.30 a.m. Yep. Um, residents, neighbours, mm-hmm. heard 
um, screaming, shouting. Um, sounded like a look. Clearly, something was happening from within inside this Paddington Terrace. And for listeners that don't know what a terrace is, it's just a a, a street of houses from Victorian times that are all joined by common walls. Yeah, which means if you are living in an adjacent terrace, you would hear things. It's an interesting case as far as... I mean, Paddington is one of those beautiful eastern suburbs in Sydney that is full of beautiful old architecture, and a terrace house is a very common sight. But, Dad, what I'm... Timeline-wise, they go to this party at the Beresford Hotel, right? Uh, That's on the 18th of Feb. In the morning of the 19th of Feb, they come back. Sometime between midnight and 5.30 a.m., like you said, there's yelling that's heard. Mm. I read that apparently it was... The quote I read was, neighbours allegedly heard some shouting coming from the home, but nothing alarming, they said. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure... I mean, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes I mean, it, if people yeah. are partying and stuff, sometimes they're yelling and, you know. But that's, but that's sort of... That sort of comment from that particular media source yes. is a little bit... It's a, sort of an amalgam of sort of mixed up different people saying things that gotcha. come together to say something that's very vague. Whereas if you distill and take all the different statements, you will yep. find that it was more than that. Okay, so what this person who's written that story's done—they've just sort of kind of hand waved in the direction of the exactly. general vibe, which is but, not the way you do crime reporting. Okay. No. Um, there was also something spotted out the front of the home during this time. There was reference to a white van. That is going to play significantly in the story. Okay. But there's not a lot more to the story for a few days, Paul. Well, February the 20th, which is the next day, um, Mr. Baird, uh, one of the couple, uh, apparently his phone sent mm. messages to his friends for, uh, using WhatsApp. And the last time he was recorded as being online was 11.45 p.m. on Tuesday. Now, that's important. That's very important. But yes. it's important. You and I know why it's important. Yes. But we just need to say to the listeners, just remember that that happened the next day. But then on the Wednesday, a bowling club in Cronulla, mm-hmm. a cleaner and full credit for his diligence and extreme honesty... I say that because he discovered in a skip bin a lot of clothing and credit cards. And the reason I referred to him being honest is that there was an $8,000 wristwatch amongst this stuff. Now, the thing about the clothing is that it was bloody, bloody clothing. The credit cards, um, all the information led the police directly Mm -hmm. to the home of Jesse Baird which is the house in Paddington, where on the Monday morning, yeah, Monday night, yeah. uh, well, early hours of Monday morning, neighbours heard an altercation taking place. Okay. General duties police at this stage, the coal face of policing, because at this stage it's not a, it's not a major crime. In fact, they're just going to follow up um, lines of inquiry. The police... Um, and I'm not sure how this was done, but they gained access to Jesse Baird's house. When they go inside, they are confronted with a lot of upturned furniture. Okay. A lot of blood. Interestingly, there had been a pool of blood in one of the rooms that someone had clearly tried to clean. So there would have been an extraordinary 
amount of blood. Then they find... Now, at, at this point in time, I'm just taking myself back to when I was a police officer. You're in general duties. You've, you're confronted with this. You would use your mobile phone. Mm-hmm. You would call... You, you're not going to use the police radio because police radio is monitored and potentially you've got a, a crime scene. Yeah, You're going to get on the mobile. You're going to call the officer in charge of your command, which in this case would be Paddington, mm-hmm. which is a pretty busy station. And then you would have detectives coming out. They also found on the floor a shell casing. A single... Wait, one, one shell... One. one shell casing. That's weird. I agree with you. There are so many things about this story that are just, quite frankly, it's just an extraordinary story. That's very unusual. But they also find mm-hmm. a lead projectile embedded in one of the walls. You mean a bullet? A bullet. A um, couple of things about the bullet. The bullet may have passed through someone mm-hmm. and continued on its journey into a wall. It could be a shot that missed yep. the intended victim or victims. Mm-hmm. That's all they've got. It's it's clearly a scene. Can you answer a theoretical, hypothetical question, which I'm sure is occurring to at least a few people listening right now? Yep. Could one bullet kill two people? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. The police ammunition. Yep. Unlike, oh. dirt, unlike Dirty Harry's ammunition. Yes, I'm sorry. You talked through this in both books, actually, and on the podcast. Mm. Uh, now, It's a great uh, question, Paul. And for those people that haven't read your magnificent books, Dirty Harry 
and in the movies when they are firing M1 carbines and shotguns and all types of scary things in crowded streets and how they amazingly just kill one person, yeah. that's bullshit. Yeah. But the police ammunition is technically designed once it goes into the body not to come out the other end. But if you shoot someone in the hand, for example, like a miss shot, yeah. it's clearly going to continue on its merry way. Let's say one of the two in the couple was protecting the other mm. and a shot was made at the midsection of the of the guy at the front. Could it pass through both killing both? Seems unlikely. I don't. I don't. That's not what a bullet generally does. It's particularly police, you know, bullets. Because we've des- you know, they're designed to stop people. Yeah. But Paul, this is one of the things about this story that I find very, very problematic. Mm-hmm. And that is that... We know a gun was discharged probably more than once. But, Paul, why didn't any of the neighbours hear the... They hear shouting and, you know, they hear noise. Is it possible the murder happened somewhere else? No, it's not. It it definitely happened there, right? Paul, it's just so... It's... It's really weird. It's just fascinating. I mean, Christine said to me, do you think, um, you know, they could have used a pillow? But we haven't actually touched on the, um, the, the perpetrator, have we? No, so... We haven't even... We haven't actually delivered that bombshell. This is the part that I was saying was more interesting than any kind of so-called salacious details, and mm. that is the fact that the police constable Bo Lamar Condon uh, was a cop, right? Yes, like, so serving. what's happened here is an, mm. an, an, a serving police officer mm. is the senior person. constable. Senior yeah. constable, right, well, well, senior or just regular? Senior constable. Senior. Senior constable. That's I his rank. Read, I just read constable. No, okay. Senior constable. Okay. So Bo Lamar Condon. Uh, is also Mr. Baird's ex-boyfriend. And that means that he is... Well, suddenly there is a jealous lover angle. There's a a connection there, right? And the police are looking for Condon by, I think, February 22nd. So on Thursday. Which, again, I cannot stress this enough, is mere days ago. This is all so recent. Mm. And at that point, the police are asking for help. Uh, You know, they've kind of put a little net out. And friends of the couple who've gone missing presumed deceased at this point, have told the cops that um, Baird was actually worried he was being followed and stalked and hassled by a police officer. Okay, now it's it's important. That's an important fact. Yes. However, Mm -hmm. the family and friends have discussed this with the police since the crime. Okay. Detective Inspector Daniel Doherty, who's head of the New South Wales Homicide Squad, I don't Mm. even know how that guy sleeps. He's just everywhere. He's like the phantom. He's everywhere. He has said, yes, they acknowledge that fact. However, yeah. nothing was ever reported to the police. Interesting. So it could just be rumours and... You know, well, it could, be, it could be real. Yeah, yeah. But not, but not to the level, okay? It's like there are people, there are creepy people that do creepy things out there, but you sort of think, well, you know, does it... Is it worth, worth sort of telling the police? And, and I guess that's a whole... Pandora's box as well. In terms and of- also, there are versions of events that get heightened once you realise there's that's the stakes right. are higher. You know, suddenly a mention of oh, this guy's a bit of a creep becomes a that's right. He was that. You know, it becomes. Mm. But it's really hard to tell. But, but, but sorry, but you what go. I'd like to say at this juncture, Paul, to you and the listeners, and I feel very strongly about this, is that cut, cutting through all all the the rumour and innuendo at the bottom of at the at the sort of the crux of this particular matter, um, and Christine and I have discussed this at length, it's a domestic, it's, it's, it, is a, it is a domestic, it's abuse, 
and it has resulted in something, we believe, something horrendous. And it was carried out by a serving New South Wales police officer who used, we know this, he used his service firearm. That is his firearm, his Glock, that is issued to police. He's been off work for a week. He goes to the house where the two men, Luke and Mm -hmm. Jesse, are, Mm -hmm. and he's armed. He's off duty which creates a whole nother line of inquiry as to how he managed to get his firearm or how he didn't check it in Mm -hmm. at the police station and keep it in the safe. But listeners may well recall when I was in the police force and we used to go hunting, we used to all take our service revolvers. But I'm sure that things are a lot tighter now. So Uh that's going to be a very interesting um, part of the investigation. Here's the thing. The firearm that belonged to Beau Lemaire, what Beau did mm-hmm. is that after using the firearm at this particular scene, yeah. he puts it back into a safe at a police station. He then goes off on sick leave, so he's off for, for the whole of this week. Ballistics come in and they take the projectile out of the wall and guess what? What? It matches. They've done the ballistics. So he's fired his police revolver. Yes. So what means what that means is that ballistics would have got retrieved his firearm from the police safe. Yeah. They would have fired it into either ballistic gel or water or water or a water tank. I, I don't know what system they're using. Yeah. They then would have got a comparative microscope where they put the projectile out of the wall from the house in Paddington next to the shot fired into the water or gel. Oh. They look at the striations. As it leaves the barrel, it creates its own unique set of um, sort of scratchings in the bullet, and it's a perfect match. So they now know that Bo's firearm, his Glock that was issued to him on the day he would have um, you know, passed out at the um, training at the academy, mm-hmm. that's when they all, all get their guns and their uniform, they know that that's um, a police-issued firearm. So then they've got no bodies. They've got a white van mm-hmm. that was hired on Monday evening, which makes you think that the bodies would have been in situ because the police haven't been there. They don't get there for another two days. Mm-hmm. So imagine those neighbours in hindsight realising that for two days they'd heard, firstly they'd heard something happen. Uh, clearly the police were not called. No one's heard any firearm shooting you know which i find interesting yeah then i start to think this is this is my sort of my police um, part of my brain Mm -hmm. is that and there's a lot of blood uh there's only one shell casing it's possible that Bo uh retrieved all of the the casings and missed one all of the other other bullets are actually have gone into the bodies and of course police are taught to shoot for the major body mass like you you don't shoot we've we've had this discussion many times you don't shoot in the legs yeah or the arms yeah you shoot in the chest you shoot center mass yeah because it's on the balance of probabilities in a stress situation you're less likely to miss if you shoot for the chest yep headshots in this situation i i wasn't a fly on the wall i didn't get to see but then here's another thing listeners that i find 
really problematic with this story is that how can you kill one able-bodied male yeah. and then kill a second person? What on earth was happening? I mean, if you're the second person, the second victim, there's going to be a moment of time because you have to assume. You assume they're all, all in the same room. Maybe yeah. one of them went into the kitchen, went to the toilet. We don't know. Yeah. But perhaps also another weapon was used. Yeah, because how is... I mean, did any of... None of the neighbours reported hearing a shot fired, none. did they? And a gun's not quiet. No. Especially at that hour. I mean, it's I after midnight. You're telling me it's like... Paul, a, like... Paul um, our neighbours um, had a party last week and there was no music. They're just talking. Yeah. They're not even shouting. You heard it but all. We heard everything. Yes. And it's just in the in the quiet of night in a terrace know, area where there's walls adjoining. I mean, it's yeah. And then then parking is shit in that street. Yeah, it's shit. When you come to Sydney, when you and Tegan are up here next, I'm going to take you for a cook's tour, and I'm going to show you some of the the locations. And it's just gonna you're just gonna think. And then of course you've got another thing that uh, I just I understand. There's a lot of stress, a lot of emotion, a lot of fear, but you go out, you leave the bodies in situ, you then go and hire a bloody big van. Yes, and that's the white van we mentioned. The white van. They hire it from um, from Botany, which is down near the airport. Yep. You bring this mother monster truck back into the area. It's They're all, like, there are, there's parking behind, there are lanes. It's just... Yep. I mean, imagine having done all that, then to come back with a vehicle that you haven't driven before, so you're sort of familiarising yourself with, you know trying to park this thing and then trying to find a parking spot. And then here, here's another big problem. You have to then get these two bodies out of the house, yep. into a van. And for me, this is when the story gets really interesting because a few days later, Paul... Oh, that's right. The, Friday. This find, past Friday, right? At they 2 a.m. What, what, what are you going to say? Well, I'm saying they find the van. They find the van in southern Sydney at a place called... It's at Grays Point in southern Sydney. Right. The first thing I... Because I know the area fairly well. It is surrounded by waterways. Uh And with waterways, you've got sharks. Okay. But then, unbelievably, there's a house of interest in Lambton in Newcastle. Mm. And that's been the focus of the last two days. So that's about 160-odd kilometres away from yes. where this was all because happening. Because they, so. fa- they found out that he t- also yeah. drove the white van up there. So does that mean he got rid of the bodies in or, Newcastle? Or? That's what that, that seems to be the, the, the general consensus at the moment. That's where police, they've got police divers up there. Yep. They've cordoned off. Um, there's a house of interest. They're, 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 the divers are sort of scouring the waterways up there. Mm-hmm. But my gut feeling, I know this is going to sound absolutely crackers, but the police, again, would be just going trawling through so many different, uh, you know, variables in terms of, you know, could this have happened? Could that have happened? I'm thinking, and this has not uh, come to light unless it's happening behind the scenes. But I don't think the bodies are up in Newcastle. He drove up there. I have a feeling when I looked at the map this morning of Gray's Point, 
yeah which is not a, it doesn't seem to be an area of extreme interest but he his family he's got family down that way i i'm feeling now i think it's important to say that on friday he was seen going to his uncle's house who lives down in that area yeah so it's an area so gray's point is near cronulla mm-hmm. cronulla is the suburb with the bowling club where all the possessions of the young men were found mm-hmm. covered in blood including for god's sake an eight thousand dollar watch which to me and it just doesn't it just seems someone is acting um you know under extreme duress and and really almost panicking it just doesn't seem logical yeah. but to do to 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 the clothing must have been removed from the bodies my mind and tegan who we can say is the executive producer of triple m's breakfast in melbourne yes she called me or she texted me on the morning uh-huh. I couldn't believe it. I thought, hang on, she this, she can't be doing this. She she must be so busy. Mm. But she said to me, John, this story is, it's 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 big, and it's, and I said, and then Tegan called me later on that day, and I gave her one of my theories that I at the time I thought was, was quite creepy and surreal. I'm not going to go into all the details, but I will say this to you and the listeners, uh, because we need to now know that, uh, Beau Lemaire is in custody. Uh, turned himself in on Friday. Yes, but he, he went down to Cronulla yeah. to his uncle's house and the uncle drove him to Bondi. Oh, okay. And basically dropped him off. And he goes in and presents himself to the police. They had a, a, an emergency um, you know, court hearing mm-hmm. and he didn't even apply for bail. He only looked up once to acknowledge the magistrate. And he's... He's at Silverwater Jail. But, Paul, I discussed this with Tegan um, off-air, shall we say, and one of the interesting cases, or one of the interesting, really fascinating things about this case, as Danny Doherty, the head of the Homicide Squad, has said publicly at press conferences that Bo Lemaire is not assisting the police at all. He is giving up no information which makes my the sort of the the slightly I don't want to say twisted part of my mind, but the side that goes into dark places is that I believe some pretty terrible things have been done to the bodies, and he doesn't want. Maybe he's ashamed. Maybe he's absolutely done some really fucked up things, and these things will be revealed. <sighs> If and when the bodies are found. Now, yeah. I did discuss certain things that I felt may have happened to the bodies with Tegan. Mm-hmm. And Tegan actually, weirdly, didn't surprise Tegan. She said, you know, John, these things are being discussed. Um, you know, they are being talked about. But, yeah. you know, it's it's just so surreal to think someone's in custody. He could just tell them, tell the families, tell everyone where on earth the bodies are. But I'm feeling that the bodies are actually south. They're not in Newcastle. That's just, I'm just putting it out there. I may well be proven wrong. And, you know, but there just seems to be a lot of sort of things pointing. And then if you're talking 
Because when you sort of look at a, a, a map of that, these southern suburbs, the thing that is glaringly obvious are the, the tributaries and the waterways, and they're all salt water and they're all full of sharks. Yeah. And if I was going to get rid of bodies, and I, this sounds crappy, but to me it's, that's what I'd be, I'd be doing. Jesus um, so he's in custody. He's been charged with two counts of murder. They don't have any bodies, but they feel they've got enough evidence to, to lay, and that's the most serious charge that can be laid. Um, and I'm, I'm just sort of hitting the refresh button on my news feeds um, with sad regularity mm. um, because I because it's an ongoing real story that's happening. And, and, and another, another question, could, is it possible... There was another person involved. Uh, it seems a lot of lot of work for one person. Yeah, and I mean, not to be disparaging, but this guy is not a big dude. No, he's, he's not. A, he's like a he's a little scrawny. He looks like he's a slight. Even there's photos of him uh, from back in 2019 in his uniform, and it, he looks like a yeah. It looks like a boy wearing a man's uniform. This is not a guy who I think could haul bodies easily or quickly. Mm. So yeah. But again, who knows what adrenaline can do? I, I, that's all supposition. So uh, yeah. I guess, look, I guess what we're going to do is keep everybody updated. And it's, as I said, Dad, it's very rare that we check in with such current cases. But honestly, these two stories are so grim and strange that we mm. thought it was, and frankly, the Facebook page has been beset by requests. We've been messaged yes. by listeners going, please, can you weigh in on these cases? And mm. Dad, I'm really glad we did. So... If there's any major developments between now and the end of the week, oh, we definitely. will address them. Yes, and also, reasons. Paul, um, in closing, I would like to um, well, look at it's, congratulations to Tegan on her extraordinary role, but something else is very exciting for our listeners is happening to you <laughs> oh, yeah. later on this week, and I, I, think it's, I think it would be lovely and remiss of us not to mention it because it's, it will give people an opportunity uh, should they be awake at a particular time to hear you on a national radio show. Yeah, that's very sweet, Dad. So I will be filling in on ABC Overnights, which is the program they do from 2 to 6 a.m. Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. That's on the ABC. It's broadcasting nationally. Uh, so if you have the ABC Listen app or if you just want to hop onto local radio or whatever, I'll be hosting just me, me hosting radio, which is very well, strange. I'll be listening. I will be listening, Paul, because I, I think you're um, you're you're a good bloke. You're talented, and um, and who knows? I mean, yeah, you know, this has li- yeah. If a li- look, if any if any loose units listeners wanted to kind of text or call during the show and show some love, that'd be great. Uh, obviously, if you're up at that hour, so yeah, two to six a.m. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday mornings this coming weekend. I am nervous and excited and thrilled and frankly it's going to be really nice to just do some because i haven't done regular radio since weekend breakfast on triple j which was like 10 years ago so uh i've done i mean as you all know hosting this podcast is radio but it's not live so the live part's the part where i'm really you know i'm I'm really excited i'm really really excited so hopefully i will hear from some of you then but look that's all the time we have for this week's episode of loose units the shadow files what an incredible series of cases we will keep you updated as the week rolls on and we will see you very very soon everyone for more loose units bye folks cheerio why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.